today I want to share this message on fatherhood. Uh, James chapter 2, if you'll turn there in your Bible, I want to start. We're going to look here in James. We'll be in Genesis. Then we'll go to Hebrews. So keep your Bibles open and your devices open and, and uh, connected here. When I say the word father today, our culture has changed so much. For me personally, uh, this whole message would, would be in honor of, of my father of my, that's gone on to be with the Lord. I grew up in a home where, where my father was more, was everything I could ask for and more. My father was a godly man, a great man, a working man. He trained me. He, he disciplined me. He discipled me. He loved me. I've, I've learned this. You can never discipline a person with good results unless you first discipled that person. Haven't heard what I just said. If you're not willing to disciple, you're not qualified to discipline. If you haven't loved, you can't correct. And so my father had an incredible balance in my life. I knew he always loved me. I knew he cared for me. But he also disciplined me when I need discipline. Amen? Sometimes, uh, uh, how would I say it, the, uh, the seat of education met the board of learning at times. How many know what I'm talking about? Now, you're going to find a bunch of politically correct people that would no order if it hit them in the face. That'll tell you that you can't discipline. But the problem is they don't know about love. If you disciple, you can discipline and it works well. How many hear what I'm saying? So I grew up in an incredible home. And the word father to me has every good meaning that you can imagine. But for many people, and unfortunately in an increasing way in our culture, the word father is not an encouraging word. The word father is a frustrating word. The word father is a word that people don't understand. It's a word that grown men want to be but never saw what one was. And so in the body of Christ, we understand that uh, it's never too late to discover what it's like to really be a father and to be encouraged. I'm here today to encourage the men in this congregation to bless you and strengthen you. And, 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 and let's learn some things about fatherhood. Let's be encouraged. That I believe today God wants to heal broken places in our lives. Where maybe the father relationship wasn't healthy. Maybe it was damaging. Maybe it was distant or just non-existent. I believe God wants to bring healing in your life today and restoration in those areas. I believe God wants to encourage men today who say, Pastor, I really want to be a great dad. Maybe your children are grown. It's never too late to begin to father the people you care about and you love in your life. So today's all about healing. It's about encouragement. It's about strengthening. So let's look in uh, to begin. Let's, let's look at this. Uh, as we look at Abraham, uh, I, I'm pulling a lot of this information from materials that we share all the time, being a five-star man. What you're going to hear today, you can, you can uh, connect to, you can find off the website and, and all our materials. So let me just kind of warm you up and, and give you a little taste of what's available to you uh, 24-7. James chapter 2, we're going to look at Abraham today in verse number 23. James 2 and verse number 23. Watch, watch this. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Wow. I, I, I just never cease to be amazed at that. Abraham was called God's friend. So when I read that, I'm, I want to know more about that man. Anybody else want to find out a little about this guy that's called God's friend? I, 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 when I think of that term, I realize that friendship is always reciprocal. Friendship is never just one direction. It's, it's both directions. And I ask myself, what do I have that God needs? What is it about me that I could do 
that would make me God's friend. See, friendship has to go both directions. You understand that? It has to work both directions. On one hand, I could say, I don't have anything that God needs, but evidently there's something about you, sir, that God desires. You understand that? I cannot add anything to him. He's perfect. I cannot make him better. I cannot make him greater. I cannot improve anything God has done or will do or is doing. There is nothing I can do to make God better. He's already perfect. How many understands that? And yet we find in Scripture that there was a man named Abraham who was God's friend. So Abraham not only received something from God, God received something from Abraham. There was something about this relationship that was important. I want to find out about a man like that. God's friend. The Bible calls Abraham the father of many nations. The Bible says Abraham is the father of the faithful. The friend of God. The father of nations. The father of the faithful. What an incredible man. The father. You know, when you look in the uh, Hebrew concordance and you study the Hebrew language in the Old Testament, the first word in the Hebrew uh, dictionary, biblical dictionary, is the word father. A-B-A-B. Father. It is the very first word in order. Isn't that interesting? Because the word father means uh, procreator. It means originator. Out of father's comes direction out of fathers come the beginning gentlemen we have this unique position that we did not earn that we did not demand but god created you as a father to be a person that initiates and releases great things into the people around you it's an amazing position and and so i want to i want to look at this abraham this friend of god this Father of the faithful, father of nations. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11. Turn with me. Let's, let's look at the beginning of Abraham, where we find him. Genesis, the 11th chapter. When we begin to read and, and we first meet Abraham, to be honest, his name is Abram. And, and very quite frankly, he was very ordinary. And that ought to encourage all of us. How many ordinary guys in the house? You can raise your hand. We're just ordinary guys, aren't we? And so this is what I love about Abram. On his journey to become Abraham. Can I give you good news, gentlemen? It's not how you start. It's how you finish. That's important. Amen? And, and, and at any point, we can make some progress. That's good news, isn't it? So it's not how we start. It's how we finish. It's not what we don't have. It's what we do have. It's what we do with that that begins to make a change. If you're not a father today, your lady, you're sitting here saying, Well, hey, he's going to preach a sermon all day. It's not going to help me. Yes, it is. You stay with me. You're a young man and you say, I'm not a father. Well, you need to hear what I'm telling you because maybe your father didn't connect with you and you're going to be, have some great things today. Or maybe you're being prepared to be a father. And so it's never too soon to begin to understand these truths. Now, let's look at Hebrews, I mean, pardon me, Genesis 11 and verse number 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, Genesis 11:31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, the wife of his son, Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So where were they going? To Canaan, all right? But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, what's interesting is we, can, we read more about Abraham's family uh, the Bible says that his father Terah took his son Abram and his son Haran and Lot and Abram's wife Sarah and they were headed from Ur of the Chaldeans to a place called Canaan which we call the promised land. 
On the way, they come to a city named Haran. It's interesting that there in the city of Haran, Terah's son, Abraham's brother, Haran, died there. So on their way to their dream, to their plan, to Abram's father, Terah, what he told them, we're going from here to there. We're going to leave this place. We're going to end up in Canaan. Along the way, his son Haran dies. I don't know if they named the city after him. I don't know if it was coincidental that his son was named Haran and he died in the city of Haran. But the bottom line is that's where his father's journey stopped. Everything that his father had planned to do ended with the death of Abram's brother Haran. Now, life does that sometimes, doesn't it? We have big plans. Big hopes, big dreams. We, we, we make promises sometimes. I'm sure Terah had told his family all about Canaan. There must have been something about Canaan that attracted him and drew him there. I don't know that, uh, that, that it wasn't part of God's plan. I want you to get this. I can't prove this. Maybe God had spoken to Abram's father, Terah, about Canaan before he spoke to Abraham about it. Because you see, when we drop down to chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. It was Canaan. And so we always think about Abram was the man that God gave the promise of Canaan, of the promised land, and yet it was his father that started them on the journey. And what I want you to see gentlemen, is that maybe in ladies that the family you grew up in never reached what it could have been because it settled somewhere. The Bible says they settled there. They started along and never reached their goal. They were hurt. They were wounded. They suffered a loss. And the loss broke the dreams, broke the faith, quenched the plans. And because of that, the rest of the family had to live there. You know, maybe your father had big dreams and, and, and something made him give up on it. Maybe, maybe what you remember about your dad is not good, but maybe there were dreams he had that you never heard because of a loss he suffered somewhere in his life. Maybe you as a family suffered the consequences of living with a man frustrated about getting halfway to his plan and never finding the rest of it there. Maybe the bitterness that was in the home was a result of a dream your father had you never knew about. That because of loss, he was never able to reach. See, sometimes we, we, people are, are, are affected and they're, they're wounded and they're, uh, lessened by their father's failures, but we never realize what made my dad act like that. Why was he the way he was? Why did he promise us Canaan and never get there? Evidently, his father never got over the death of his son, Haran. He just couldn't move past it. But you know what makes a man great is the ability to keep on course even when life gets difficult along the way. And the good news I have for you today is although Abram's father, Terah, never made it to his goal, he settled halfway there. And do you think that affected the family? I'm sure it did. He made the rest of his life a monument to something that had died in the past. He stopped living at that point. Can I encourage you today that that, uh, there are some deep losses in life. There are some things that are tough to deal with. But when we stop living, we put a period at the end of a sentence that God just maybe wanted to have a comma. We give up before God is through. 
we think that because Heron died, my future died. But can I encourage you something today? Even though you face some of the greatest losses of your life, it's not over till God says it's over. And God is faithful to take those moments and keep moving forward in our life. So he says to, to him, uh, let's go back to chapter 12 and verse 1 again. The Lord had said to Abram, evidently what we're about to le- read here today is not the first time God said this to Abram because we read here, he had said. He had said. Can I give you some more good news? You can go farther than your father went. Even though your father stopped, you can keep going. Even though he did not get you there, you can get there. Even though he never made it to the place that that he wanted to go, you can go. You can go past the failures of your father. You can be encouraged by the successes of your father. Do you know what great fathers want for their children? Great fathers want for their children to go farther than they were ever able to go. So you can go past your father's failure. You can go past your father's greatest success. Nothing would be a greater honor to him. So now Abram has to decide what he's going to do. My father said we're going to go to Canaan, but he never made it. My father said God can get us there, but he didn't show us. My father said that we've got more, but he settled along the way. So now God comes to Abram. He's going to give him another chance. He said, Abram, I've talked to you. And what have I told you? You get that? The Lord had said, what have I told you, Abram? I've told you, leave your country, your people, your father's household. Now, that's tough. Did you just read those three things? If you're going to take hold of your future, you're going to have to let go of some things in the journey. Do you know, sir, that you can be a greater father than your father ever was to you? Do you know that you you don't have to repeat the sins of your fathers? You don't have to be stuck in the traditions that have gone before you. So what do we say? Leave your country. Wow. Leave your people and your father's household and go where? To a land I'll show you kind of risky. You know what he said? Abram, you just need to start walking and I'll tell you when you arrive. Now most of us are like, God, you show me where I'm going to go and how long it's going to take me to get there and how much it's going to cost and show me how you're going to take care of me and I'm going to think about starting. Come on. Huh? Come on. What's your five-year plan? What's your ten-year plan? I remember somebody asked me that. They're, they're going to help me out. When we started Calvary, they said, what's your five-year plan? I said, survival. The first year, that's what I said. What's your five-year plan, son? To be alive, eating, and my family have a house, a roof on their head in five years from now. What's your five-year plan? My five-year plan is to obey God. What about your five-year plan? My five-year plan is to be where God wants me to be in five years from now. My five-year plan is to be five years farther along than I am today. Come on, how many of you get what I'm saying? So he said, you've got to start moving. And what am I going to do? Look, look, what happens when we do that? He says in verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. He said, honestly, you're not great now, but I'm going to make something. Did you get that word? He didn't say you are a great nation. He said, I'm going to make you into something. Listen to me. The journey is what makes you. The journey is what makes you. The willingness to leave the known for the unknown. The willingness to believe that God can take you farther than anyone in your family's ever been before. All right? The willingness to believe that God can make you a greater man than you've ever been. Don't say, I've always done it this way. We'll quit always doing it that way. 
Don't say, you know, I, I, I don't know how to read. Learn how to read. We got GED classes at the Dream Center. We'll teach you how to read starting tomorrow. Don't look at me like that. Don't say, I've never finished anything. We'll start something today and finish it. We'll help you get there. Don't say, I've never been to college. You can go to college right now. Don't look at me like this. See, what we're saying is a father is an originator. What you originate, your family is going to follow. You might originate stopping or you can originate finishing. So, so here's what he says. I'm going to make you great. How many are willing for God to make something out of it? And I will what? Bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord told him. And that's what we have to do. You know what, gentlemen, when I'm praying happens to us today, every man in this room, every lady in this room, I pray by faith that we make a decision today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave this place where I've been stuck, and I'm going to start walking with God to the next place in my life. I'm making a decision. Listen to me. I am not a victim. I am not a victim. I am not a prisoner. I am not locked into where I am. My name will be great. If your family, when people say your family's name, everybody rolls their eyes. By the time you get through, when they say your family name, everybody is going to applaud and say, that's a great family. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're going to rewrite the name of your family in this area. That's, it's going to be, people are going to say, I'm proud to have that family name. I'm thankful to inherit that family name. See, so, but you've got to leave. You've got to start going. So how do you move from the son of a man who was a wandering shepherd who only was halfway in his goal and because of loss or pain or bitterness, and we understand those things, he settled. And because he settled, his family had to settle. You see, that whole family was settled there in Haran until someone in the family said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to trust God. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave this place of halfway and start going to the everything God has for me. Do you know that you can be the Abraham of your family? Do you know that you can be the one that breaks the mold? Do you know you can be the one that says, God, I know what you promised, and I'm tired of talking about it. I'm going to start walking about it right now. God's looking for that person. He will bless you. He will change your family legacy. He will change what your family name means. But often before we can take hold of what's in front of us, we must let go of what's behind us. How do we do that? Now, now, kind of hold your place here in Genesis, but I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 11. Turn there with me. Hebrews 11 and verse 8. Hebrews 11, 8. I've got to keep my time up here so I can see what I'm doing. All right, Hebrews 11.8. I want you to turn there with me. Let's look at this. Very important. Hebrews 11. How do you move from a regular guy named Abram to a man who becomes a friend of God? Well, that's an amazing thing, isn't it? How do I move from a regular guy called Abram whose father failed in his life goal to become the father of a great nation, to become the father of the faithful, become the friend of God? How do you do that? How, does, how do average guys like us Make that journey. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, let's look at verse number 8. What are the first two words? Mm-hmm. Let's say it again. Come, come on, one more time. you got to get this. How do you move 
from a place of failure to become a friend of God, to fulfill your purpose, to walk and leave a legacy by faith. It's it's not going to fall in your lap, but it's close enough for you to take hold of. And by faith, you have to stand up and begin to walk. So watch this. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. What did he do? Obeyed and went. Do you get those words? Obeyed and went. Do you know the greatest asset you have going in your family today? The ability to obey God. It is greater. Listen to me. One act of obedience can nullify generations of disobedience. One act of faith can rewrite generations of failure. One act of faith can carry your whole family system from a place of settling to a place of inheriting. One act of faith. So by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. (laughs) By faith, verse 9, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. Now watch this. As did Isaac. Who is Isaac? His son. And Jacob, his grandson, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Did you get that? When Abraham obeyed and left and inherited the promise that God gave him, do you realize what suddenly happened? His son Isaac inherited the same promise. His grandson Jacob inherited the same promise. When you and I obey God and follow Him, the promise, listen to me dads and moms, the promise that God gives you when you obey it, only when you obey it, when you begin to obey God, the promise God gave you becomes the promise of your son and the promise of your grandson. So in other words, when you and I begin to obey God, our children and our grandchildren begin to receive the same blessing in their life. It passes on. The blessing passes on. It's an amazing thing. Now, I want you to go back and and I want you to look at something here with me. Go to Genesis chapter 18. I told you we'll come back. So watch this. I've got to get this in. I don't want to miss my time on this because I want you to see Abram's journey to become the friend of God to become a great man, to become a faithful man, to be a father. His journey became the blessing of his son and his grandson. When you and I begin to obey God, we can break through every failure of the past, every shortcoming of our family, and reverse and change the legacy of everybody coming after us. Simple acts of faith. It doesn't mean that that, that you have to become a millionaire. It doesn't mean that you have to become rich and famous. It simply means that you obey God. And that promise that God gave you, He'll give it to your son or your daughter or your grandson or your granddaughter. It begins to become theirs. Why? I ask you the question, why, uh, how does a regular guy like Abram, whose father wasn't a Jew, he wasn't a believer in God, he, he was from Ur of the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans were idol-worshiping Babylonians. How did he move from this place of failure and, and, and idol worship to become the friend of God? By faith. By doing what God told him to do. 
But I believe God saw something in him. This is what I want you to see, the power of family legacy, of fathering. The promise is to Isaac. The promise becomes Jacob. And look in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19. This is amazing. I rarely hear people say this, uh, Genesis 18, 19. Why did God choose Abram? Look at this. For I have chosen him. Why did God choose this guy? For I have chosen him. Why? So that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. Why and how did God choose this man? Because God said he'll direct his children. Because he said he'll be a father. He will do what I've asked him to do. This man will not only take care of himself, he's going to take care of his children. It's an amazing thing. God wants to establish a covenant with you, your children, your children's children, and those who follow you, and it begins by simply obeying him right where you are. Why did he choose Abram? He said because he'll direct his family. Because he's going to watch over his family. He is going to live a life in front of these sons that it begins to create a legacy. It begins to change. See, the good news for us is that God was able to look at Abram and see Abraham inside of him. Did you hear what I said? God's able to look at you today and see what nobody else has seen in you yet. God is able to look at you. And so the good news is, I want you to understand this, that God is always seeing what no one else can see. God is always willing to start right where you are. God's not afraid of all the rough stuff in the exterior. Gentlemen, let me tell you today that God sees who you can be, not just who you are right now. Well, Pastor, how do I get from where I am to be this kind of man? Obey God. Let go of where you are and start walking where God wants you to be. That Pastor, I, I do have an adventurous spirit. There's something in me that wants to do something great. Absolutely. God wants to release it. Pastor, there is something about me. I want to provide for my family and, and, and create income and, and be a generous man. That's in you. It's not what you have to be. That's who you need to be and want to be. Pastor, I want to treat women and children right. I want to be a godly example. I want to be a safe place. Pastor, I want to be a man that's faithful. God can trust me. My wife can trust me. Pastor, I want to live bigger than myself. All those things are inside of us men. And how do we move from the man we are to that kind of man? How how did Abram go from Abram to Abraham? Just simply start walking where you are towards this place God has for you. And you can be that man. God not only sees who you are, He sees who you can be. And He's willing to get in the process and make us. See, uh, God wants men to, to pass on this faith, and let their children see it. You know, fathering is more than, than, than having children. Listen to me. Fathering is raising children. Have you ever thought about that term, raising children? Have you ever thought about that? What is raise? Well, that means lifting them up. Raising children. That's what a father is. Someone who raises their children. You know, a father is someone like Abram who starts at one place and finishes another, but his children pick up where he left off. See, they step up on his shoulders. It doesn't start all over again. He picks them up. And and, and this, you know what, maybe the greatest accomplishment, gentlemen, that I would ever once said, I want, this is your greatest accomplishment, to hear your children tell their children 
We serve the God of my father. That's it. That's your legacy. That's the greatest inheritance. You, you may not live the, leave them bank accounts and real estate and, 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 and those kind of things. But, but if you live to hear your children tell their children, we serve the God of my Father, you've been a success. Your life's been well lived. Doesn't mean there might, might be some ob- obstacles along the way. That, that the devil will fight that. That your kids have their own free will. And that, and that it may not be easy. And you may have some failures in your past that, that you have to overcome. But can I tell you something? God is for you. God is on your side. If Abram can become Abraham, you and I can become men of God. If Abram can become Abraham, he wasn't always perfect. Remember, he had a couple of detours along that journey to become a father. He goes down to Egypt when he should have stayed in the promised land. And when you get out of the will of God, you start trying to act like God. And so he told his wife, we're down here and they'll kill me to get to you. So you tell them you're my sister. So what happens when I'm not trusting God? Then I start lying. I start conniving. I start backing up. I start doing what's wrong. But you know what happened to Abram? He, he leaves Egypt and gets back in the promised land and goes back to the last altar he built and said, God, forgive me. Let me be restored. Let me get back on track. And you know how good God is? He put him right back on the same place where he had left. The devil will fight a family today. Satan will try to do everything that he can. Our children are growing up in circumstances that are beyond my imagination. Children at five years of age know what one generation ago you didn't know till you were 25 years of age. We're inundated with things that are unimaginable. People cannot define gender. They cannot define marriage. They cannot define family. They cannot define home. They cannot define God. They cannot define right or wrong. We live in a culture that has lost its moorings, but a godly home who obeys God, has a promise that I will bless you. I will bless your children. I will bless your children's children. And I believe our God is big enough. Our children will not be statistics. They will be overcomers. They will have God's grace. You know how much grace? He says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. He says in our weakness that His strength is made perfect. Your children and my children and our children's children will be mighty warriors for the kingdom of God. But it starts with a man and a woman who will take the journey with the Lord. I want you to stand with me and I want our musician to come. We're going to do a couple of really important things here before we go. It's not time to go, but I just want to get you standing, all right? I think there's nothing greater, sir, listen to me. Than the words of a father. In launching your children, the Bible says in Psalms that your children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Fathers direct. You direct them. And you know what you do? See, you raise them. What, 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 does, a, what does a bow do? A bow, by the tension of that, you're able to shoot an arrow, launch an arrow much farther than you could throw an arrow. See, God gives you, listen, as a father, He gives you leverage. Gentlemen, you must understand this. Fathering, fatherhood, God gives you the capability, listen to this, of doing two things. Of not only directing your children. You're responsible. When you put an arrow in a bow, 
you have accepted the responsibility of where that arrow goes. Is that right? It's just like, it would be more like a gun today. You can't just pick up a gun and go firing it off anywhere and, then, and, and make mistakes and tell people, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know where that bullet was going to go. No, when you put the gun in your hand and you pull the trigger, where that bullet goes is completely your responsibility, 100%. I mean, am I right or wrong? You can say I didn't mean to. You can say it was an accident. You can say I wasn't paying attention. It doesn't change the effect of where the bullet went. So, with a bow and arrow, there are two things. The direction of that arrow is completely the responsibility of the person who's about to shoot it. And the second thing is, because God put the bow in your hand, sir, He gave you leverage. Not only the responsibility to direct the child, but He gave you the ability to launch that child further than you've gone. There's nothing more directive and empowering than the words that come out of your mouth. The words that come out of your mouth. I've got you standing now, so I'll just, let me give you the verse so you can refer to it later. But you know what Proverbs 16.23 says, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Power of life and death. I've taught you what a spiritual blessing is. A blessing. We've been learning about the supernatural, haven't we? Is the supernatural impartation. Impartation is something that comes from one person to the next. This is how impartation works. Watch this. It's from God to man to man. An impartation originates from God, but it flows through a human being. So, what is a blessing? The supernatural. God put some super on our natural. Come on, don't we need some super on our natural in child raising and families today? So, what is a blessing? The supernatural impartation of God to you, sir. Through the spoken word of His delegated authority. That blessing is that bow and arrow in your hand. And your words are literally prophesying the future of your children or burying the future of your children. What do I say to my sons and daughters? Your gifts from God. His hands on your life. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. While you're in your mother's womb, God was writing a plan for you. I want you to find that plan. I'll always be here to direct you, to launch you, to protect you, to watch over you. I may not be perfect, but I'm going to always try and be here. And when I make a mistake, I'm going to get back up on my feet and I'm going to, we're going to get this thing right together. And my words are going to direct you. I'm going to speak life over you. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to prophesy. See, when you say, son, God has great things in store for you, you just prophesied into his future. When you say, daughter, you're a beautiful, valuable gift. You're, you're strong and smart and intelligent. And there only one man on this earth deserves a woman like you. Whoa, she just... You understand? Sweetheart, you're a treasure. You, you absolutely are going to change the world. And, and I can't even imagine the man that would be worthy of you. But God's going to help us find him someday. Don't get in a hurry. In some little... Bozo jerk treats her bad. You think that bothers her? 
my dad already told me he just disqualified himself it's, I don't some little mean middle school girl you know the meanest people in the world are middle school girls they're the mean Woo! be scared of them get on that Facebook and all that nasty ugly stuff and try to shame a little girl but see you and God beat them to it she already knows who she is and she's not just comparing what her body style looks like and her hair and, and all these airbrush fake magazine covers and she already knows you've been poured into her sweetheart you're a woman of God you're strong you're beautiful you're mighty you're rare God's got a plan for you I told you I, I learned this as I went along and when I had that first grandchild I started telling Brooklyn I said Brooklyn you're going to be the first female president of the United States of America I started thinking of the highest office I could put her in and I said and I'm going to be the minister of ministers when you become the president yes sir baby we're going to have a new cabinet and I'm going to be we're going to preach all over this land. And one day she came to me and she said, Gee, Daddy, can I be a teacher? Because I've always told her you're going to be the president, see. So she had to ask me. She said, Can I be a teacher? I said, Sweetheart, if that's what God wants you to be, absolutely. You be the best one you can be. Now, I don't know what she's going to end up to be. But you see that? She, she, I, I had her president. I mean, she, we're Oval Office. We're White House. I, mean, I said, see that's, your, see, that's your new address. You're going to live in that house. See that? Why? I, what am I going to tell her? Well, you know, I don't know what you'll ever be. Life is hard. No. God is good. We're going to be right here. We're going to be here. You're going to go to college. You're going to graduate. You're going to change the world. You're going to be different. I learned. I learned as it went along. When those babies are born, I, I'm standing in that delivery room. And, and, and when those babies are born, I said, in Jesus' name, right now. This child is dedicated to the purposes of God and prophesy and speak. And we learn. And, and before the baby came, in the baby's womb, they knew my voice. I was talking to that baby all the time. Mr. Phyllis's stomach, I said, I love you. You're going to be awesome. You're going to be great. We prophesied nine months before they hit the earth. Has the devil fought that? You better believe he has. You know why? Because the devil's a lot more afraid of your future than he is your past. Because he knows what God has put in your life. It, it, it will not come without a battle. There will be battles. There, there's the free will of a child. There's the world that we live in. But I want you to listen to me. You're the guy with the bow. And the devil may fight it and war against you and blow that wind. But you know what? God is faithful. You hold on that bow. And you keep shooting those arrows in the right direction, in the right direction, in the right direction. And loosing the supernatural power of God. And God will honor His Word. I want all the men in the house, fathers, all the men, I want all the men to come stand. I want to pray over you before we go. You're great men. There's greatness in you. There's purposes and plans in you. You can go past your father's failures and past your father's success. I want you to understand that. You're chosen. God chose you just like He chose Abraham. The fact that He would allow you to breathe, you're chosen. The fact that He would allow you to father a child, listen to me. You, you, you may have nothing but regrets. I have men who come and tell me, Pastor, I fathered a child and, 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 and you know, I, I didn't do the right thing. and we, I wasn't married to her mother and I, I've been AWOL. And, 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 or, Pastor, I, I've done this and I've done that. Listen to me. It's never too late. It's never too late to begin to make a deposit in the life of the people around you. Can I, can I show you this and then we've got to pray? You know, if I had a rope here, a rope, and maybe that's the relationship. You're on one end, your child's on the other. And things have been so bad, it's broken and torn in two. It's just broken. So, Pastor, there's no relationship. 
It's broken. But can I tell you, any broken rope can be tied together. And you know what that knot is? That knot's forgiveness. Forgiveness is the knot that will reunite the most broken relationship that you've ever seen. Some of you, your dad wasn't there for you. And he may be gone. He's deceased. You can't get him there. But listen to me. God put spiritual fathers in your life. Spiritual fathers. One of the most important responsibilities I have, I'll never, I'm not your dad. I'll never take his place. I wouldn't even want to do that. But I'm a spiritual father over this house. And I understand that. And that's very uh, a great responsibility in my life. And I think about it all the time. If I can father you fathers, then let's see how this thing goes down the line. And men, I want to pray a blessing over you today. I want to speak something in your life. Not in your dad's place, but maybe you never got it from him. Or maybe you're struggling to get that from him. Let me tell you something. If you can make something right with your dad, do it. He may not be willing. He may not be here. If you can make something right with your children, do all you can to do that. All right? God will bless that. I want to pray over you. I want you guys, if you just kind of stand like this. I won't make you do the big one, but just kind of stand like that. All right? That's how you receive a blessing as you open palm for God. You understand? Father, I speak over these men today. These men are originators. They're procreators. These men have been made in the likeness of Almighty God. They are shadows of the divine. The reflection of God on this earth. Lord, some of these men have been bruised and broken, never really got a good start. Their dad wasn't there. and They never knew what it was like to be blessed, to be accepted, to be encouraged. But, Father, they have come into the presence of God. And, Lord, you are the God who is more than enough. And I speak over them today, God. I declare over them they are men of greatness. They may feel like Abram, but you see Abraham in them. God, they may be men like, like, like Peter that are like a reed blown by every wind, but you're making a rock out of these men. And I prophesy and speak to their future. I loose them from the wounds of their past. I pray healing where they've been broken. I declare wholeness in their life. I declare freedom where they've been bound. I release them, God, to know that you accept them, that I accept them, that we believe in them, that they are men of purpose and destiny and dignity. I speak to the highest things inside of them and decree they are men of God, five-star men, godly men, men of destiny, men of purpose. I declare that the goodness of God is on them and that there is grace and wisdom. I pray, help them in broken relationships. Heal them from the things that hurt them, God, and give them courage to let go of what has been and take hold of what's ahead of them. I bless them with faith. I bless them with hearts after God. I bless them with courage. I bless them with healing. I bless them with freedom. I bless them with the ability to renew and restore and go on. I speak over them courage and dignity and character. I decree they are strong and not weak. They are clear and not confused. They are mighty and not those that are defeated. They are not victims. They are mighty men of God. They are warriors, God. And we decree from this day that even though life stopped halfway on us, we will not end there or settle, but we will rise up today and go on to the next things ahead of us. 
I bless them. I bless their families. I bless the ladies, the women, the wives, the daughters, the sisters, granddaughters that are in this house today. We declare healing and wholeness over the household of God. Acceptance and love, grace and goodness. We receive it and release it supernaturally today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus.